All right. Y'all can go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome to the Salt Company at the University of Florida in Santa Fe. Glad you guys are here tonight. It's a little cold out. I'm a little chilly. I kind of need a jacket. A little chilly out. It's good weather, bonfire weather. I'm excited for the bonfire tomorrow night. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, hey, if you've got a Bible, if you brought your Bible or if you've got a phone that's got Bible capabilities on it, which it does, uh, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 42. And we have, as a ministry, been looking at the life and story of Joseph in the Scripture. And we've been learning about this story about a man that is actually tells a story of even a bigger picture through all out of Scripture, of God's promise, his rescue mission for the world, and how he's using one family to be a part of it. And he actually makes a promise to this family that they would be used by God, they would be blessed by God, and they would be a blessing to the nation. And last week in the story of Joseph, who was here last week? Yeah, it was killer. TJ did a great job. And he showed us actually that in the middle of, of suffering, in the middle of questioning, that God was actually at work. That even in the middle of the wondering and waiting of Joseph's life, God was actually working in those things. God was using the dreams that Joseph had. God was using Joseph's brothers who sold him into slavery. God was using his time in prison. God was all over his story. And we read last week that that God was doing all of these things in Joseph's life because something was happening in the background. And we, we heard about it last week that there was a famine in all of the land. And God actually knew that this was going to happen before even the beginning of time. God knew that there was going to be this famine. And we see that he has strategically put all of these things in play so that it would save many when it looked like God was out of control in Joseph's life, when he was in a pit, when he was in prison, when he was in slavery, when it looked like God was out of control, he was actually orchestrating every little, little detail to bring about his plan of rescue to the whole world. And no doubt all of us in this room, yeah, have experienced times in our life where we've questioned, like, what is God doing in my life? God, wh why is this happening? We have had these times in our life. And we've seen in Joseph's story that even in the middle of those questions, he was rescued, he was raised to power, he was used. His story was used by God to save many. There was purpose to his pain. And, and Joseph in his life, in this moment, from last week's message, he's getting a bigger picture, right? He's getting a glimpse of all the things that were going that seemed wrong in his life. Now he's seeing that it was actually a part of a bigger picture, that God was actually using him to save people. He's seeing that his suffering was significant. And isn't that cool? Like, isn't that a, a cool moment in his life and maybe a, a cool testament to your life that, like, the, God can use the painful things in your past and actually use them for a purpose, a greater purpose, not just for you but for others. Isn't that a cool thing that God can use painful things in your past for a purpose? Yes? Nod with me if you're with me. That's a cool thing, right? That God can actually redeem things in your past that are painful and hard. You didn't know why happened. And he can actually use them for a purpose. And you might think, like, okay, Joseph in his life right now. Like, this is cool. He's, he's seeing this bigger picture that God's using him, right? He's raised him to power. He's out of the pit. He's out of prison. 
He's raised to a position of power. It's like now he can, he can live in purpose and leave the past behind him, right? Forget about what lies behind him and just go forward. Like all the haters in his life, all the people that did him wrong in his life, he can just be like, thank you, next, I'm out. Like I'm just headed to like what God has for me in the future. Like the purpose is ahead of me. I'm living in my purpose. I can forget about the past. And often we think that's best, yeah? Like we, in our minds, we think like if something tragic in, in our past happens or someone wrongs us or hurts us and it's in the past, what, what do we think? It's like, that, you know what, I'm just moving on. Like I, I'm just going to keep going. God's got a purpose for me. Like I don't need to worry about all those things. I don't need to worry about those people. I'm just going to look ahead and forget what's behind me. But here's, here's the weird thing about our text today. God doesn't let Joseph do that. Like Joseph is in a, in a position of power. Things are going right for him. He's seeing his purpose in life. God has used pain and suffering, but now he sees that God was actually using it. You would think like, oh, he can just continue to move on, forgetting about this deep scars and pain that he had in his past. And yet God doesn't let him forget about it. And God is actually going to bring those things up. We are actually going to see in our text tonight, Joseph is going to come face to face with maybe the most painful part of his life. The most painful part of his past. He's going to come face to face with that. Tonight we learn in the scripture that God doesn't leave things undone for Joseph. God doesn't want to just rescue Joseph And he doesn't want to just rescue his family. We actually see that he wants to restore the relationships in Joseph's life. Not only is God working to to rescue the world, he's actually working to restore relationships in the world. So that's what we're going to see tonight. We're going to see that God promised rescue, but rescue includes restoration and reconciliation of relationships. So if you've got a Bible... Go ahead and open up to chapter 42. And we know currently that Joseph, he's in Egypt. There's a famine going on. God actually has elevated him to a position of good favor with Pharaoh. And he's providing all this food for uh, the people in the land who are hungry and they're starving. And God's actually using Joseph to save all of these people. And then we see a little bit of the background. While this is happening in Egypt, like a movie that kind of like pans over away from Egypt and what's going on on the other side of the world. We see something interesting. We see that God is he's still working, not just to rescue, but to restore. And so we'll read this in verse 1 of chapter 42. The Bible says this, When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob is Joseph's father, he said to his sons, Why do you keep looking at each other? Like, what, what, why are you just standing around looking at each other? Listen, he went on, I have heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we will live and not die. It's a pretty good plan. Verse 3. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not let Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he thought something might happen to him. The sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. We learn that in that last verse that famine wasn't just in Egypt, it was over the whole area. And Joseph's hometown, Joseph's family, 
are also going through this. They're starving. And so Joseph's dad, Jacob, tells his brothers, stop standing around, get the heck out of Canaan, go find some food because we're going to die. Because somehow he hears that miraculously Egypt has food. Everyone else is starving, but somehow Egypt has food. We know the behind the scenes, how God has actually orchestrated that. And can, can you just pause, can, can you believe what's happening here? Like, this is crazy. Like, this is insane. And, and we're seeing all these pieces start to fall together in this story. In Jacob's mind, you remember J- Joseph's dad, he thinks Joseph is dead. His brothers, who threw him into the pit, went to his dad and convinced Jacob that he was mauled by an animal. And then he was dead, and so Jacob thinks he's dead. And the brothers know what they did some 20-something years ago, how they threw him in a pit and then ended up selling him into slavery. And they think he's probably gone forever. And then a famine comes, and they're like, crap, we don't have food. We're going to die. Like when in quarantine, you're running out of snacks, and you're like, I'm going to die. Except they're actually running out of food, and they're actually going to die. And so somehow they heard that Egypt has food. So Jacob sends his brothers minus Benjamin because Benjamin, right, is the youngest of Jacob's son, and Jacob has already lost one of his youngest sons. And so he's like, okay, you guys go, but Benjamin is going to stay here. And so the brothers show up, and this is like a movie, guys. The brothers show up in Egypt, and guess who's in charge of Egypt? Joseph. Like they get in line to buy food. And verse 6, look at this. Verse 6 says, who's in charge of? Joseph was in charge of the country. He sold grain to all its people. So they're coming to beg for food from Egypt. And who's in charge of the distribution of food in Egypt? Frickin' Joseph. Their brother, who they tried to kill, who they sold into slavery. This brother is in charge of the one giving. They're begging for food from the brother that they sold into slavery. And now it's like some 30 years later. And here they are bowing down. Look at the rest of verse 6. His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. Was there anyone here in week one of our story of Joseph? Anyone? You remember the dream that Joseph, thank you, JR, appreciate it. He was really adamant about raising his hand. He's like, I was, I was here. You guys remember the story of week one? Joseph had a dream. Like, what, what started this whole mess? He had a dream that his brothers and family would come and bow down to him. And they got ticked off at it, so they freaking threw him in a pit. And then they sold him into slavery. And now what is happening? We see this dream coming to fruition. His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. Here they are, bowing down to their brother, begging for food. What a story. What irony, right? This is kind of funny. But what I I want you to do for a moment is to, like, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Like, as he hasn't seen his family in some, what, 30 years? The last time he saw his brothers was them selling him to slavery. Never got to say goodbye to his dad. Doesn't know if his dad's still alive yet. Can you imagine what he must be going through? 
the very people that were supposed to have his back, the very people that were supposed to care for him, love him the most, betrayed him, almost killed him. The very people that were supposed to love him ended up hurting him, scarring him. Guys, he was just a teenager. He's like 17 years old. His chance at a normal life ripped from him. Now for the first time in over 20 years, Joseph is face to face with the people who probably caused the most trauma in his life. TJ said something like, family wounds are, the, are some of the things that cut the deepest. He had some serious family wounds in his life that have never been reconciled. And now, after all of these years, he's face to face with his brothers. The most traumatic experience of his life. Being stripped from his family. Thrown into slavery, not knowing if he'll ever see his homeland again. He comes face to face with his past and his past is filled with serious pain. And, and we're going to see how Joseph responds here in verse 7. Just look at verse 7 in chapter 42. It says, when Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan to buy food, they replied. And although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. So Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize Joseph. Man, how the tables have turned, right? Like these people, man, they done mess with Joseph, but they didn't know God was going to raise him to a position of power. Joseph is second in command of Egypt. They need food. Joseph has access to the food. They're begging him. He's in, he, he could charge the army. There's Pharaoh and then there's Joseph. Joseph is second in charge. He has all the power. He has them right in his hands. He can finally have revenge if he wanted. He could starve them out. He could sell them as slaves. Heck, he could throw them in a pit. Like Joseph's got all the power. How the tables have turned. What would you do if you came face to face with the very people who caused so much pain and hurt in your life. And some of you tonight are, you're going to hear how Joseph actually deals with his past and his pain, and you just won't get it. Like you won't understand how someone who has experienced this much pain, how he's face-to-face with the people who scarred him, and you won't really comprehend how he's responding this way. I mean, and I really don't blame you because, like, it's kind of hard for me to make sense of how Joseph responds in this situation. But here's the thing, guys. I honestly believe that there's something here tonight that, that we see in Joseph's life that will actually help us towards reconciliation and restoration of some of our past, some of our biggest pains, some of our deepest wounds, I feel like we see something in Joseph's life tonight that can actually show us how God's purpose is actually not to just rescue us, but to actually restore and reconcile some of this pain. So in your Bible right now, go ahead and jump over to chapter 44 of Genesis. 
two chapters to the right. And here's what I want you to do this week. Your homework is just to go read chapters 42 and 43 because we don't have time to just read all of these chapters. But basically this is what happens. Joseph puts his brothers through two tests. Like he, he tests them, he tries them. And, and, and what I found in like reading this and chewing on this story is he's not actually like testing them because he's like trying to be a jerk to his brothers. He's actually genuinely like curious, like where his brothers are at some 20-something years later. And he's curious like what has gone in in their hearts and their character to see if they've changed it all since they threw him in a pit. And, and But here's what I think is most important about this, this interchange that we're going to see tonight. And most important for us to, to wrestle with tonight is actually in this final scene, starting in chapter 44 and going into verse 45. So here's, here's kind of what happens. I'll try to explain it. Joseph, through talking with his brothers, finds out that his dad has had another son. Joseph was the younger son. It's a miracle that he, he even had Joseph. And he finds out that there's another younger son named Benjamin. And it's his father's now his favorite son. And he tells his brothers, he goes, listen, you can have this food, but, but I'm going to test you. The only way that I know that you're legit is if you go back to your homeland, give the food to your family, but then you need to bring that brother back to me. The, son's, the, the father's favorite son, the youngest brother, the only way I'm going to let you guys go is if you bring Benjamin back here. And so they do. They, like, go home and they tell their dad, like, hey, listen, he gave us some food, but here's, here's the thing. If we want more food, we've got to bring Benjamin back there. And he just wants to check and see if we're legit. And so his dad is, he's ticked, right, because it's his favorite son. And he's already lost one son in his mind. Can you imagine losing one son? And then now they're like, hey, so the other son, yeah, we're actually going to need to take him to Egypt, and I don't know what's going to happen. He's ticked. He's like, no, you can't do that. And finally, one of Joseph's brothers, stick with me here, one of Joseph's brothers is like bargains, and he's like, listen, actually, if, if, we don't, if anything happens to Benjamin, you can take like two of my sons as slaves for you. Like I will, I'll give you two of my sons. I'll stand in his place. Like nothing is going to happen to Benjamin. We're going to find that was a dumb mistake that he made. So he, here's what happens. They get Benjamin and they head to Egypt. And they get to Egypt and they're nervous. How is Joseph going to respond? They don't even know it's Joseph yet. And here's what happens in chapter 44. They're met not with like, arguments and yelling, Joseph throws them a party. And jo- Joseph is, he, he just like, all the food, all the wine, come hang out, we're going to have a great party. And they're about to go home. And then he, here's the second test. They brought back Benjamin, but they're about to leave. He puts a cup in their, in their food sack and tells them to leave. And, they, and then he tells, like, their guard, like, hey, once they start leaving, go after them and say, Hey, someone stole our cup. Okay, this is, this is kind of strange, but I'm going to bring it all together, okay? So the brothers and Benjamin, they're kind of nervous. They don't know what's happened, but they're like, okay, we get to go home now. They start heading home. They, the guard comes after him and says, hey, someone jacked our cup. Like, we didn't do it. I promise. Like, I promise no one stole your cup. And they're like, listen, someone stole our cup, and we're ticked about it. And whoever has the cup in their bag, we're going to take as slaves. What? 
okay, like you can take us all as slaves. And Joseph's like, no, whoever has the cup in his bag, I'm going to take as a slave. He's testing his brothers. So they all open their bag, and who's got the cup in the bag? You guys remember the part of the story? Benjamin, the youngest brother. And the brothers look at each other and go, oh, crap. The one dude we weren't supposed to lose. Like, how, how are we, our father is going to, he's going to freak out. He's going to be so dad, he's going to be so sad that he, he dies now. The, Jacob is going to lose his second youngest son. And so here's what happens. And this is, this is really key in the story. One of the brothers sees that Benjamin is about to be taken as a slave, knowing that it would kill his father of sadness. And so he steps in and looks to, to Joseph that he doesn't know is his brother and says, listen, don't take him. He's our, he's our father's favorite. Take me instead. Like, I will be your slave. This guy named Judah in chapter 44 says, listen, just let me take his place. And Joseph listens to the heart of his brothers. His brothers, like, step in and they're like, listen, listen, listen. You, you can't take Benjamin. You can't take Benjamin. Our father, he already lost our other brother. Our other brother, like, we threw him in a pit. We screwed up. We sold him into slavery. Like, we did this terrible thing and I feel like God's punishing me now. Like, uh, but you can't take Benjamin Take me in your place. Take, take me instead of Benjamin. And Joseph hears this brother sacrificing himself. No more scheming. He sees that he's brokenhearted. The brothers know that they messed up. They know that they've done something terrible in the past. And not only that, their younger brother is about to be taken. And, and so they just like, they just dump their heart out in front of Joseph. And they're like, Take me instead. We've massively screwed up. And in, in chapter 45, and this is kind of the thing I want to focus in on most tonight, we see Joseph respond to what his brothers do. Joseph hears how brokenhearted his brothers are. And look with me in chapter 45. Joseph breaks down. Like the first time in our story, if you've been with us following the life of Joseph, he just breaks down uncontrollably. Joseph can no longer keep his composure in front of all of his attendants. And so this is in verse 1. Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all the attendants. So he called out, send everyone away from me. And no one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. Verse 2, but he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And also Pharaoh's household heard it. That's insane. Have you ever seen someone just crying so uncontrollably? Where you like go up to them and you're like, are you okay? And they're like, just get out. Just like, get away from me. Like, have you ever had one of those cries that are that bad? I did this week. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm emotional. Get over it. He's, he's, he's broken. He's, he's weeping so loud that apparently the neighbors hear it. Like people across the street are like, what the heck is going on with Joseph? He's just bawling his eyes out. He breaks down and he reveals his, he finally reveals his identity to his brothers. He tells them who he is and look at verse 3. This is, 
It's kind of the big turn in all of the story. Joseph said to his brothers, the people who hurt him most, he says, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Why were they terrified? Because they knew that they screwed up, right? They're like, oh, crap. This is, that, how, how in the, we, so, we threw you in a, and now you're, they're terrified. Because Joseph is in power. And they're, they're absolutely terrified of what Joseph is, is going to do to them. And look at verse 4. This is, this is how Joseph deals with people who hurt him. You ready? Verse 4. This is how Joseph responds to the people that hurt him most in verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. You ever heard that from a parent? It's not good. Hey, hey, come here. You ever heard that one? Joseph says, please come near me. And they're like, oh, crap. Here it comes. Once this helicopter goes away, we're going to learn what happens. Joseph says, please come near me. And so they came near, and here's what Joseph says. I am Joseph, your brother, the one that you sold into slavery. Oh, boy. Here we go. They finna get it. He's going to let them have it, right? I'm the one you sold into slavery. Verse 5. And now, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here. Look at this verse. Because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Verse 6. For the famine has been in the land two years, and there will be five more of years without plowing or harvesting. Wait, what did he say there in verse 5? Like, what, what did he just say? God sent me? He says it again in verse 7. He repeats himself. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by great deliverance. Therefore, Verse 8, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a a father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and a ruler over all of the land of Egypt. I wonder what they were thinking. Like, think about the brothers. When they first hear that it's Joseph, they probably, like a kid who knows that they're guilty and their parents call him into the room, say, hey, can we talk? They probably immediately think that they are about to face judgment and punishment, that their sin that happened 20-something years ago has finally caught up to them. And they're probably thinking, we deserve this. They've been sitting in shame for like 20-something years. And Joseph looks them in the face and says, you don't have to be grieved. You don't have to worry. Don't be mad at yourself because God actually sent me here, not you. This is God's plan to save us 
to keep his promise to our family. Not only, listen to this, not only does Joseph want to like free them of their past guilt, he says, don't be grieved, don't worry about what you did. God actually used that. Not only does he free them from their past guilt, he actually wants them to have a free future. Look at this in verse 9. He says, return quickly to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me without delay. You can settle in the land of Goshen and be near me. You and your children and your grandchildren and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will sustain you. Dude, he's even going to provide for his brothers. I will sustain you, for there will be five more years of famine. Otherwise, you, your household, and everything you'll have will become destitute. Look. Look at this. I love this in verse 12. Look, you, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin can see that I am the one speaking to you. He's saying, like, look, I'm your brother. Tell my father about all my glory in Egypt and about all you have seen. And bring my father here quickly. And then look at this. And then we're almost done. Look at this in verse 14. This is what's radical to me. Verse 14. Then Joseph threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Verse 15 of chapter 45. Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. They, they talked, they started to hang out. What does Joseph say to his brothers? Come near. Come here. Throws his arms around them. What is Joseph doing here? He's not pushing away his past. He's not like trying to distance himself so far away of like this past hurt in his life. He's actually bringing the most painful thing in his life close. He's embracing his past. He's embracing his pain. He comes face to face, literally face to face with those who meant harm from him. And he doesn't want to get revenge. He offers reconciliation. He offers restoration. He offers a new relationship with them. And here's the entire question of tonight. From all that we learned, this is like all the story, this is the question that I have for you. How? How is this possible? How can someone who's been through something like that Embrace his past with forgiveness and reconciliation. Joseph has had a traumatic past. But here's the key of the story tonight, guys. Joseph sees his past through the lens of God's plan for salvation. God, or Joseph views his past through the lens of God's salvation. He sees what happened in the past and he sees that God was actually using it not just to save Joseph, not just to save his family, but to save the world. He was able to come face to face with his past 
and actually get to a place of forgiveness because his heart had a transformed perspective. When Joseph saw God's plan, he was able to look back at his past and forgive. Does that make sense? Like, he was able to forgive his past, all of that past hurt, all of that pain, because he saw that it had a bigger purpose. And here's the thing, this eternal perspective that Joseph had, the fact that God was working, I mean, he brought it up three times. Verse 5, 7, and 8 of chapter 45, he said, God sent me. God sent me. Why? To keep you alive for great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He had an eternal perspective. He saw God's bigness. And this changed the way he viewed his past. But here's here's what's true tonight. Eternal perspective, even God's bigness and God's sovereignty, doesn't take the pain away. You have things in your life that are painful and they will be painful every time you think about them. But here's what our text says today. It doesn't say that God is gonna just remove that pain. But he he does show how that pain has purpose. Joseph sees his purpose, to be sent to save many And he sees it and he sees God's rescue plan. And finally in Joseph's life, his whole past is now reconciled. It's restored. He is now able to forgive his brothers who he hasn't seen in 20-something years. He no longer has to continue with the past pain of the pit that he was in. Like he left the pit long ago. But in a way, the pit was always with him. He always remembered the pit, the pain that was in his life. And now for the first time, he's able to just let that go and freely forgive. And now, listen, like, it's not only just about reconciliation with Joseph. It's his brothers who have been carrying the weight of guilt and shame and their sin, their evil that they've been carrying around for 20 years, trying to cover up, trying to hide they're now met with forgiveness. Can you imagine carrying a burden for 20-some years and finally that burden being lifted, being forgiven? God promised rescue. And this rescue also included restoration and reconciliation. So here's, here's, here's my question. What do you need to do tonight? I didn't have a ton of like illustrations or funny stories. But I just wanted to leave you like, where are you at and where is God calling you to move next? Like, do you need to trust that God has a future for your pain? That your pain in your life actually has purpose? You might be in a place where you have no idea the trauma that you felt. Like, why did this happen? Do you tonight need to trust God that he has a plan and a purpose and a future for you? Or maybe tonight, do you need to forgive someone who has hurt you, like deeply? And you've been carrying that 
Like you've left that past, but you've carried that pain with you every day. Tonight, do you need to to reconcile that, to restore that relationship, that broken relationship? Do you need to forgive tonight? Or maybe, maybe this is you. Do you need to receive forgiveness tonight? Have you been carrying something that you didn't want anyone to know, that you hope will never get found out? It feels like a ton of bricks on your back. Something that you've just been hiding for so long. And like the brothers, God is bringing it to light. Not to shame you, but to set you free. All of these things, guys, and I'm done. All of these things of what you need to trust God with a future, to be able to forgive someone else and to receive forgiveness. All of these things are found when you look at the face of Jesus. When you come face to face with Jesus, you can face your past. And here's how. In the face of Jesus, we see that we can trust God. When you look at the face of Jesus, you see that you have a future. Because though the world looked like it was slipping into darkness and brokenness and deeper into sin, God sent his own son to be a light of the world. He sent his son to save the world. The light of the world stepped into darkness, but the world rejected it and killed him. But that was all a part of God's plan because God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for the sins of the world so that anyone who sees it and believes would not perish but have eternal life. In the person of Jesus, we see that God had a plan all along Maybe you need to trust tonight that God has a plan. That God is in control. Or maybe in the face of Jesus tonight, you need to see that you can find the ability to forgive someone else. Guys, the pain of our past is real. The scars that you carry every day bear witness to the severity of the wounds that you're carrying But in Jesus, we see a way forward. See, Jesus died, but three days later, he would rise again. Jesus' story didn't end in the tomb. He got up and left the tomb. And we too, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we leave the tomb behind. We leave the past behind. We leave the death and the pain behind. See, Jesus had scars too, but he had a glorious future where God would raise him up and put him in a position where every knee would bow and every tongue would profess that he is Lord. And we too, when we put our faith in Jesus, we leave the past behind, knowing that God has a glorious place and future for us that he has life for us. And in the face of Jesus, this is my final thing, in the face of Jesus, we not only have the ability to forgive others because we have a future, we have the ability to be forgiven. 
If you're like that person carrying the weight, like the brothers who have gone years and come face to face with your pain and your past, whether it's come from your thoughts or your mouth or your actions, something that you've done that you feel like you would never be forgiven by God, know this tonight. You are never too far from being forgiven by God. When you come face to face with Jesus, you don't receive death. You receive deliverance. In the face of Jesus, you will not find an angry God who's just been waiting to just dump his punishment on you. In the face of Jesus, we see a loving God who sent his own son to die for you. Who loved you so much that he doesn't want to kill you. He killed his own son so that you could receive forgiveness. Though you deserved punishment and deserved death, God delivered you, his son, in your place. So that if you believe in him, he would take your place and you would now take your places in his family, forgiven completely. We get to be a part of the family. We get to be welcomed into relationship with God only through the forgiveness of Christ. When we come face to face with Jesus, our Savior, we can face our past. We see a future. We can forgive others and we can be forgiven when we turn our eyes upon Jesus. That's my hope for tonight, guys. Just once again, let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. Turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his fullness and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You will find the ability to face your past. You will find the ability to forgive. And you will find for the first time that you are forgiven by God when we turn our eyes to Jesus as our Savior.